Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. This is the podcast on the Geek News Now Network that discusses both Star Trek and Star Wars in the same show. My name is Jonathan. I am just one of the hosts on this show. Uh, allow, allow me to introduce my co-host, Chris. How's it going, Chris? I, I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I'm ready to get talking when you are. All right, man. Uh, we'll, we're going to keep it nice and short and simple because we're not too far off the heels of our our previous episode where you kind of got the background of what Chris and I had been doing over the course of uh, the past several months while we were on hi- hiatus. Uh, if you're new to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, Chris and I are both lifelong Star Trek and Star Wars geeks, and we love to talk about both. So we do on on uh, on a somewhat regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, let's get started. Uh, we start each and every episode with how did you geek this week? It's a little segment where Chris and I get to talk about one or two things that we did that was geeky outside of Star Trek and Star Wars. So, Chris, why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, for my how did I geek this week? Really, it wasn't any specific nerd activity. It, it kind of goes along with my Goodwill obsession. Uh, I, I went to, there's this outlet store not too far from where I work. And you can just, you instead of paying regular price for it, you you pay by the pound. It's all, basically, I call it the Goodwill of Goodwills because it's like a junk store. It's like dumpster diving. <laughs> so I found two large Grogu pillows that are about maybe two foot a piece. One one day and one the very next day. And one one with a tag on it. And they're wonderful. They're nice and big. They're squishy and they're going to be great little collector's items. So I got that. Also, I ended up finding an Atari flashback that's usually like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was It's still in good condition and I got it for eight, seven bucks. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it's got 40 different Atari games built into it. I just got to hook it up and see, you know, really hope and see if it works. But it's all in good shape. So I'm hoping it does. I also found what it was... I. You remember the Furbies from the 90s? Of course. <laughs> okay. So I never understood the Furbies, but I found one the last time I went to Goodwill, and it was actually a Star Wars one. It was dressed as Chewbacca. Mm. So I did some research yesterday after I got it working, and it, they actually called it Furbaca. And it was from, <laughs> yeah, and it was from 2015, I guess right around the time that uh, The Force Awakens came out. So I put batteries in it, and the sucker works. I have no idea how to use it. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I, so I tried finding the directions online. I haven't had any luck yet, so I'm going to keep going. But it talks in Wookiee, the, that growling that Chewbacca does. And mm-hmm. after a while, it hums the star, the, the, the Imperial March theme, which is really <laughs> out of, just out of nowhere. So That's really cool. Figure, yeah, and it's got digital eyes, which is really weird. So I'm going to try to see if I can figure out how to work it. Maybe I can talk about it in a future episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a- you can. I'm sure you can find a YouTube video on it. Yeah, exactly. It has to be something. So, but that was how I geeked this week by spending a ton of money. How about you? <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, mine, I guess, is kind of sort of related to yours uh, in 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 the video gaming sense. Um, so, I uh, last year I was fortunate enough at the end of the year to to pick up a PlayStation Five, and cool. um, 
you know, I grabbed a few games and have been playing it, but I recently got an email from PlayStation offering me 25% off the PlayStation Plus online membership, which they have three tiers of that membership now. And um, I got the pre- the premium tier, which is normally 120 for a whole year. I was able to get it for like 80 some dollars. Uh, and then I had a, a $50 place in sorry, a $50 PlayStation store gift card that I had uh, gotten from somewhere. And so basically I paid like 30 some dollars for the full year of, of this PlayStation plus service. And it's kind of like Netflix where, you know, you can um, download a collection of games and play them and they, they rotate every so often, like new games come in, games go out and so on and so forth. I started playing this game that I've had my eye on for quite some time. It's called Ghost of Tsushima, and it's this uh, period samurai game where you are a samurai warrior uh, and you basically have to employ kind of dirty tactics. But you're, the idea is that you're trying to save the island that you live on, Tsushima, from the Mongols invading and trying to take over. And it takes place, you know, in the, the probably like the, like the 15, 1600s, you know, so it's feudal Japan. It's it's very atmospheric. It's, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful game. And it's really cool, like how they've really um, played out the combat system. And it's, it feels like you're in an actual sword fight. It's really cool. Sure. Well, that sounds really interesting. Uh, how often have you gotten to play it? Uh, I, I've i played probably 20 hours so far because I usually just play in the mornings before work for a little bit. So I haven't really gotten much beyond like the first maybe six or seven story missions, but I, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. I'm just having fun riding around on my horse and just exploring and, and discovering new places and stuff. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's like being in your own little virtual world that you yeah. get to explore. Cool. Uh, I'd like to add just one more last little thing about mine. Um, last show, we talked about the new Star Trek figures coming out from Playmates Toys. Well, I finally got one. I found one, got it. Nice. Um, so I found uh, Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, and like I said in my la- in the last episode, that that was the very first figure I opened 30 years ago in 1992. So it's going to be the first one I open. I haven't opened it yet. I'm just waiting for the right moment. But uh, the, it, it actually really impressed me. I really like the five inch size. The little accessories seem really, really nice and on par with what came before. I'm waiting to see if the figure stand is as good as they were 30 years ago. But the mold looks really great. And hopefully when I finally open it, I can talk to you guys a little bit more about the quality of it. It's uh, articulation, things like that. So you have just confirmed for our audience that you are the open the packages toy collector kind of person, huh? Absolutely, I am. I have to feel my stuff. It's like, like Picard in First Contact when he was had to touch the Phoenix and was teaching Data about that. I need that that textile kind of connection with my collectibles. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I open some. I keep some sealed. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really. I don't really have that tactile need. Like, but mm-hmm. I do have a uh, a Boba Fett uh, pop vinyl figure that I keep on my desk in the office where I record the podcast so nice sweet yeah. so uh without further ado let's um let's get into the real meat of the podcast we're going to kick it off here with the news move the ship out of the asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission captain incoming message come closer i have good news so the first bit of news story, news content that I was able to find for us is uh, we kind of have been hearing rumors about this for 
you know, quite some time, but, uh, you know, who is going to be playing the role of Ezra Bridger in the Ahsoka series that we're getting? You know, who is going to be the actor that plays the live action version of Ezra from Star Wars Rebels? And it seems like we we finally have our answer. Um, there was a rumor for quite a while that uh, an actor who's kind of known for his role on the CW show iZombie, uh, Raul Coley, he was rumored for a very long time to be playing, uh, or at least in contention for the role of Ezra. But we found out uh, in September that, and this has been confirmed by multiple sources, that the actor that's going to be taking on the role is Iman Esfandi. Um, I am not familiar with, honestly, any of his work, but I saw a a press photo of him, and he absolutely looks 100% like Ezra. So I'm kind of excited for that. What do you think? I'm with you 100%. Uh, I, like you said, I'm not familiar with this individual's line of work, but just looking at the picture, I said the same thing. They nailed this one which is kind of nice because going with the, like the, the animated and the live action people that they've hired for star Wars in the past, they never always seemed to fit. Like every time I would picture Ahsoka, I thought I would think of the the, the young lady who, who voiced her. Was it Ashley Eckstein? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so I always assumed that she would be the one to play the part, you know? So when they cast, Oh, what's her name? Rosario Dawson. <laughs> When they cast Rosario Dawson, it, it it felt off to me at first. It, it took time for it to grow on me. Same thing with Obi-Wan Kenobi with the Grand Inquisitor. He felt very different compared to the way he looked in Star Wars Rebels. Same with the fifth brother. He seemed a little bit off too. But it finally, it just took a little time for it to grow on me. But this one, I think, is just going to be nailed right from the get-go. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, I I really think they nailed the casting, at least for the visual look. Uh, I might have to try to track down some of the stuff that he's been in just to get an idea of his, um, you know, what he, his delivery as an actor, you know, how he approaches a role. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, overall, I'm really very excited for, uh, for the show. And, you know, we had previously learned that uh, another big casting of Sabine Wren had been uh, made... Uh, you know, several months prior to hearing about Iman Esfandi. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm getting even more and more excited for the show now that, you know, that everything is winding down and, you know, to kind of refresh our listeners or, or those not familiar with Star Wars Rebels and how it ended, you know, in the series finale of the show, uh, Ezra Bridger disappeared along with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, it, it basically, and then they essentially, we get the impression that they haven't been heard from for, for quite a few years, uh, you know, at, at least five or 10 years, we haven't heard from, uh, from Ezra or Thrawn. And then we got a little Easter egg in season two of the Mandalorian when we met Ahsoka, uh, and she asked in, uh, about Grand Admiral Thrawn and where he is. So obviously he's made you know, Thrawn has made his presence known again to the galaxy. So where is Ezra? Uh, I'm really excited to see how that all plays out. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the show even more now. Definitely me too. When is Ahsoka supposed to be coming out? Did they set a date yet? Sometime next year is all we know. Okay. Okay. Well, it's something to look forward to. Happy New Year for us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So our next bit of news, I mean, this is going to be a very Star Wars heavy episode, folks. So 
buckle up. <laughs> uh, pretty much all Star Wars, because I think our last episode was pretty much all Star Trek, uh, aside from our little catch up. So exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, buckle up, folks. Here we go. Uh, the next bit of news that we have to talk about is the the premiere of the Bad Batch season two. Now, this show was originally set to start in the fall of 2022. It got pushed back to, I believe, January 4th is our premiere. Um, and from what we understand about uh, what Lucasfilm has told us about the show so far, that you know, there, there's been quite a few months that have passed since everything that happened on Camino at the end of the Bad Batch season one. Uh, so the, you know, the crew is out trying to continue finding their place in the galaxy after the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. Um, we're going to get uh, some run-ins with familiar faces and friends and foes uh, we're going to get uh, hopefully a little bit more of the mercenary missions you know uh, kind of like a team in space you know that mm-hmm. we kind of were hoping uh, you know i don't know about you but i was kind of hoping that was the direction that was going to go uh in in season one but it really didn't feel like that in the end so maybe we're going to get more uh, along those lines and and how their missions feed into the rising rebellion perhaps i don't know sure the teaser trailer that they released for the show uh, showed us the return of Ian McDiarmid as Emperor Palpatine. You know, we got a bunch of glimpses at some pretty cool action scenes. One of them, you know, featuring our favorite uh, clone Omega, of course. Everybody loves Omega. Um, and if you don't, I have words for you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Did you have a chance to take a look at the trailer for The Bad Batch yet, Chris? Yes, I, I watched it a, a couple times. It, I, I agree with you about the A-Team vibe that, that they're probably going to be going for. I'm really excited more than anything. I've always been curious about the Imperial Senate. And so just to see that Emperor Palpatine's going to be there, and we're going to see a little bit of the Senate, and maybe even see how Palpatine interacts with the Senate differently from when it was the Republic, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm also trying to figure figure out and be and I'm very excited about where they left off at the end of season one with the Camino and being taken by the Empire. I can't remember the name of the place they went to. I know it's in Star Wars lore, but what are they going to do with this Camino and how's it going to impact you know cloning it which what they're known for? Maybe it's going to tie in with the rise of Skywalker with how Palpatine ended up cl- having a clone body after he died in Return of the Jedi. So those are the parts that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I'm interested to see what kind of lore we get because you know I'm 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 hoping that this you know kind of like the how the Clone Wars built the lore around that whole um, you know tease that we got in in the original Star Wars uh, and how it built all of that and really re- uh, made the prequel trilogy feel like a cohesive product, you know, with the inclusion of, of the Clone Wars animated show, I'm really hoping that that's what we get to bridge that gap between the fall of the Republic and uh, the, the first victory of the, the rebel, the, the rebel Alliance. Yes, definitely. It, it's it's going to be really cool. I, I, I didn't realize that they pushed it back to January. That was news to me today. Just when, <laughs> when we talked. So yeah, yeah. I was I, like, I thought it was coming out at the end of this month. I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, but I guess uh, we just have to wait. It's just one of those things. Part of being a fan, we always have to wait and have things dragged out. Right. And then, you know, then the season will be so good and we'll be upset that it's over and we'll want more faster. So, you know, we'll never be satisfied. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got two more news items. So we'll try to get through these as quickly as possible because 
I'm really looking forward to talking about Andor, which is something that we didn't get a chance to uh, to discuss last week since we had uh, really gone down a, a couple rabbit holes in, in our discussion at our last yes. episode. So I, I guess, you know, I had heard that, uh, you know, with that Dave Filoni had really been a huge fan of the animation style and 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 how the bad batch took the style that we see in the clone wars and really really added to it and gave us a lot more better looking character models and and the the backgrounds and and everything looked so much better than than it did in the clone wars even though it was the same animation style I, 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 you know, Dave Filoni wanted the team at Lucasfilm Animation to work on another project uh, that he'd been wanting to do for some time called Tales of the Jedi. And uh, this is based on a very, very popular comic series that came out before Marvel regained the the Star Wars license to make comics. Star Horse had it. And Tales of the Jedi was one of their biggest and most popular uh, series of comics. So, you know, it, it kind of takes that idea and it's giving us, I think, six episodes. So it's a limited series, uh, 20 minute episodes a piece. But we're getting the uh, the story of how Ahsoka Tano was discovered uh, by Plo Koon and brought to the Jedi Temple to become uh, a, a Jedi and, and start her training as a youngling and, and such. So, you know, of course, this is right up my alley, you know, seeing uh, young Ahsoka and, and hearing uh, Ashley Eckstein coming back to voice her. So. I'm really excited about that. But, you know, also in these six episodes, we're going to be getting some stories about Count Dooku and how Count Dooku started to become disillusioned with the Jedi Order and start to be tempted then by the dark side and and to start the Separatist movement, which, you know, kicks off the Clone Wars. So I'm really excited about this. And then, you know, uh, as a bonus on top of both of those awesome things, we get the return of Qui-Gon Jinn himself, Liam Neeson, voicing the character uh, of Qui-Gon Jinn in uh, Tales of the Jedi. So I'm really geeking out about this. I don't know if you can tell, but what do you what do you think, Chris? I agree with you 100 percent. Anytime we can see origin stories of our favorite characters, that's always a bonus and a plus. Definitely. I'm most excited about the Count Dooku arc and seeing what happened, why he decided to go from Jedi to Sith and, and help spearhead the Clone Wars along with Emperor Palpatine. It's, it's going to be really exciting. And I, I knew from the get-go that you'd be excited about the Ahsoka story. I know that she's one of your favorites, if not your absolute favorite Star Wars character <laughs> of all time. As a matter of fact, last year I actually bought an Ahsoka Tano cocoa mug and I had you in mind when I bought it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I got to show him this sometime. I haven't used it yet. So Maybe on its maiden voyage with Coco, I'll I'll take 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 pictures or something. <laughs> you, you know? I would appreciate that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then uh, Qui Gon Jinn. I, I think I read something recently about because he appeared at the end of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I think he, if I remember correctly, I think he said he couldn't imagine anybody else playing or voicing his character. So that's you know, I I really enjoy when an actor or an actress really embraces their character and what kind of legacy that it's left. So it shows they're t- they're different than a typical actor who just bounces from one job to another. When you know, it's just they they reflect back and they say, you know what, I did something. I I made an impact on on society in some way, and I think that's really great that he values the character that much that he was like, I don't. It, who cares if anybody else takes it? It's just somebody. That's something I did twenty some years ago. You know. So did you see any of that? Did you hear about that at all when he said that? 
Uh, no, I, I don't think, I think I missed that interview completely. And that's okay. kind of shocking. Cause I know the last real thing that I had heard from Liam Neeson, you know, regarding star Wars before this was before, you know, we got him an Obi-Wan of course. Uh, but you know, he was, uh, obviously he was teasing the fans, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he didn't think that, uh, animation was a, um, suitable place for him to provide his talents and uh-huh. <laughs> you know he said he might consider appearing as Qui-Gon in a live action project and then of course you know we get the news that he's going to be re- uh, voicing Qui-Gon uh-huh. for uh, Tales of the Jedi because so you know of course he was pulling everyone's leg and uh-huh. then we got him in Obi-Wan so we get both yeah exactly I can't remember where I read it I, I, I think it was just a random story when I was circling through Facebook <laughs> and I came across it so I don't know but I just either way I just thought that was really cool so yeah you know be nice to see him back yep absolutely all right so let's hit the last couple news stories really really quickly uh we're going to talk about James Earl Jones a little bit talking about a character or an actor who has uh, certainly uh, left a legacy not only on Star Wars but in just about everything that he's done from you know from Broadway to 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 music and and everything you know he has done so much uh for the arts community and uh, you know he recently announced that uh, he was retiring as the voice of Darth Vader and that he had uh sold the rights to the voice of Darth Vader back to Lucasfilm as well as a company called Respeecher Technologies um you know, for a lot of people who really don't follow all of the uh, news that comes out of Star Wars and just really watches the content, you know, you, they might not really know what Respeecher Technologies is. Uh, and it was used pretty well uh, to pretty good effect, I think, in The Mandalorian Season 2 and The Book of Boba Fett with Luke Skywalker, how Mark Hamill had recorded the dialogue and then respeecher had come in using uh, you know uh, voice patterns and existing dialogue that had already been recorded and in archives to basically uh use mark hamill's voice and the technology and ai speech and all of that to make uh mark hamill's recorded dialogue at 70 years old sound like he was in his 20s again so that is what we can expect now for the future for anything that features Darth Vader is you know, they're going to use all the hours and hours and hours of dialogue that uh, James Earl Jones has recorded over the past uh, 50. No, shoot. He's been active acting for 70 years now. Um, so they're able to use all of that dialogue to make new projects, new and record new lines using AI speech technology to, to recreate the, the voice of Darth Vader in the future. And I think that's pretty incredible. It brings up some moral implications, of course, you know, you can't really talk about how cool it is without really talking about the implications. But what do you think, Chris? I think it's amazing what technology can do nowadays. Lucasfilm just continues to amaze me in terms of being able to use the the digital de-aging technology or reuse uh, the faces of, of characters who have passed away. I think it's going to be wonderful that James Earl Jones, even if it's synthetic, it's still his voice. It's all pieced together. His soul will always be in that voice, no matter Mm -hmm. what happens moving forward. So I think that's a wonderful thing. I agree with the morality of what you're talking about. I I think as long as the actor, before he or she passes away, 
now at, at this point actually gives their permission to do so, I think it would be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with Carrie Fisher, things like that were a little different because, or Peter Cushing, they passed away many you know years ago at this point. So they weren't able to really give their consent, but I guess if the family gives the consent, you know, and, and with their blessing, I guess it would be okay. But you know, in this case, I think James Earl Jones gave the stamp of approval. Mark Hamill's given his stamp of approval. So I think with them moving forward, I think it should be okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I just don't want to see that technology being used inappropriately, you know, to uh, kind of like deep fakes, you know, in, yes. in that in the audio version of a deep fake. You know, I don't want that to ever be uh, the use of the technology. And and I think as long as this respeecher technologies controls the um, the technology that they use and keeps it uh, private or, you know, keeps it proprietary, I guess is the better word. Uh, and, and not letting it leak, that would, mm-hmm. you know, certainly cut back on that. So hopefully they have uh, a lot of trademarks on that technology. Don't get technical with me. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Polaris, not the end. The Jedi uses the force for knowledge and events. We're going to jump right into our discussion on Andor. Uh, this, so... At this point, uh, we have had five total episodes of Andor released, including the three-episode premiere that we got in uh, September. Um, also, you know, since then, we've had weekly releases of two more episodes, episodes four and five. And it, you can kind of see how this show is really taking shape as essentially it's like each every three-episode block is kind of its own story. You know, it has beginning, middle, end, and then, you know, with episode four and five, it kind of started a new story. And, you know, we have a beginning chapter and a middle chapter. Did you kind of get that uh, vibe as well, Chris? Yes, absolutely. With the the way the storytelling was, yes. Yeah. So we're going to take this kind of in the way that Andor has, and we're going to talk about the first three episodes as kind of a complete uh, set of uh, discussion. And then we'll talk about episodes four and five later rather than trying to you know recap each individual episode we'll talk about them in chunks so i want to break this discussion down into kind of three different segments if that's okay with you chris i kind of want to focus on the characters the story elements and then music sound design and kind of all of the other stuff the cinematography the visuals you know kind of talk about that at the end so what um let's talk a little bit about cassian so you know, Cassian, we find out, uh, well, you know, the first time we see him in episode one of the series, you know, we see him running down this long, like, gangway type thing uh, towards the city in the background. And, you know, he runs into some uh, corporate sector security officers and has, you know, an unfortunate incident where, um, you know, he injures one of them, uh, kills, you know, and... and mm-hmm. You know, he, he well, he gets into a fight with them and one of them dies accidentally and then he has to shoot the other. Uh, that kind of sets off, uh, you know, into motion some of the other characters. So what do you think about the first time that we meet Cassian in uh, Andor? Did, I, I, let me kind of jump in really quick and say it very similarly reminds me of how we first met Cassian in Rogue One. You know, we see him having to make a difficult decision. And I thought that was brilliant how how the first time we meet Cassian and Andor, it kind of rhymes like poetry. 
Oh, absolutely. Definitely. There was definitely symbology of, of what was we were, we've already seen and where the origin of that came from. So it shows you that really that Cassian is willing to do whatever it takes to survive and complete mm-hmm. whatever mission he's going on. So I, I think that's going to be a very important piece that we'll continue to see with Cassian going on. It's interesting seeing him with, it's almost like he kind of doesn't have like a, a moral lens like mm-hmm. he does in Rogue One, where, you know, he's fighting to for the survival of the galaxy. And we're seeing what he's like pre, pre-rebellion. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's almost completely lost. Like he's just, he just almost exists as kind of a way I, I kind of looking at it. The only thing that seemed to really be motivating him was trying to find his sister. That seems to be, there seems to be a real big backstory behind all mm-hmm. of that, which we saw through the episode as, as the episodes as it went on. And we learn a little bit about his history. Um, so, yeah, that's I, you're right about the symbology at the beginning of the episodes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it just a lot of people are saying how they don't feel like this it, or how Andor doesn't feel like Star Wars to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is. It's very, very subtle. Right. Just like, you know, we don't get a lot of in your face stuff that we're used to with Star Wars. We're getting a completely different flavor. You know, we're, we're seeing some smaller characters. Uh, we're not really, I mean, how and how they are uh, influencing the, the greater th- events that are happening in the galaxy. You know, we're not playing, we're not with the big players. You know, we haven't seen really any characters other than Mon Mothma, who's like, oh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. her, you know, um, it, it's... I kind of like how this is, you know, very tangentially um, relevant to the the greater galaxy, but it's important. You know, it's eventually it's going to build to a more to a critical linchpin, of course. Oh, absolutely. And you can definitely tell they're making this for more of like an adult mature audience. I mean, whenever you watch any other Star Wars in the past, you never think about I'll just I'll just say it. Sex. All right. And in Mm -hmm. the very beginning of the first episode, they were in a brothel looking for his sister, you know, and, and those two security guards said, Hey, we were here first. Yeah. You know I mean? It's, it was just, it's, it didn't fit the usual star Wars theme. Yes. So it was kind of odd. And then in the next episode, you see, uh, what's her name? Bix Colleen. Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and her boyfriend, Timmy, they clearly had sex off of <laughs> off screen. I mean, you never, <laughs> you never saw Anakin wake up at, at, next to a, a naked Padme, you know, in, in, in the, in the prequels, you know, I mean, they were in bed together, but that was about it. But I mean, it's just, you can tell they're definitely going for some different kind of theme here. Yeah. You know, and also I agree with you with the subtleness of the, of the empire and Imperial stuff. They were just mentioned sporadically here, there, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we saw these other corporate, soldiers who really i'll be honest didn't make any sense to me i didn't know what they were really what they were doing i know they worked for the empire but they do yeah so basically you know they you know the empire has announced that it it has taken over uh you know the planet right but the empire hasn't they're, they're basically just observing or you know ruling the planet from afar they're not a heavy presence you know you don't have the star uh, you don't have the stormtroopers you don't have the imperial officers you know you have the these corpos these these basically uh, rent-a-cops <laughs> you know um that are basically enforcing the empire's rules on yes. on the planet before 
you know, the everything, you know, before the Empire feels they have to get involved. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that gives me more of an idea of what they really stood for. I knew that they were enforcing the Imperial laws, but I didn't know... I think the fact that you called them Renacops was the perfect way to describe them <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out like what their real role was and, mm-hmm. um, and on what they were really doing on the planet. Did they really specify what they're doing on Morlana One? No, not really. I, I, I don't really know anything. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just something that I missed. And I've watched the episodes mm-hmm. twice. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know if they ever really revealed what their intentions are. I think it's mm-hmm. just classic Imperial um, just trying to enforce their will. Okay. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. Um, so what do you think about, uh, I guess, Cassian's ab- adopted mother, uh, Marva? What, what did you think of her character? Played by everyone's uh, favorite horrible aunt, <laughs> Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter, uh, Fiona Shaw herself. I, I thought that, uh, I, I mean, you know, of course I knew that she was in it. So I was excited to see what she would bring to the the character she played. And, and I'm happy. I, I, I love her, uh, her, um, her attitude, you know, and, and how she basically, yeah, she raised Cassian, but she doesn't pull punches with him either. Right. So, I thought she did a wonderful job in the role. She was the strong, fierce, protective mother. Obviously, when she got him on board the ship on his uh, on his home planet, there was she tried. I think she took him basically to save his life. They were just he, she thought he was going to be left there to die. Mm-hmm. So she took him and raised him. I don't know if she led him into the lifestyle that he has now or not, but her acting style was wonderful. I mean, you could feel the intensity of her love for him and wanting to protect him and his Canary history. I don't know. I, 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 I hope we see a little bit more of her as, as the series goes on. I think there's more to her than we really know at this point. Just as a side note too, everybody, I didn't realize that she was Aunt Petunia and that never crossed my mind. You know really? where I remember her? Yeah. You know where I remember her from? 1993 Super Mario Brothers, the movie. <laughs> wow, what a deep cut, man. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I knew that it, I, I knew somewhere deep down that she was in Harry Potter. But when I first saw her, my mind went to Super Mario Brothers for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I can't even tell you the last time I've seen that movie other than 1993. Yeah. It was an interesting movie. <laughs> Very that's, different. That's one adjective to describe. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but she's she's definitely a good actress, and I'm hoping that we see a little bit more of her in the in the next whether what seven episodes left. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit more of a history about her, her character. So was she some sort of like mercenary or like salvage person, or was she like working for some group? I have no idea. I I didn't discern that from from. I don't know if she was, you know, working. If she worked for the Republic, if she was a private citizen, if she works for the Empire and took pity. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think she worked for the Empire because she's wor- actively working against the Empire. You know, right. when we see her in in Andor in the in the present time, um, you know, because she's the one that organizes the meeting with Luthen, mm-hmm. um which, you know, sets off the next episode arc. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I have no idea what her where her loyalties lie, sure. you know, prior, you know, when she first found Cassian. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, 
the, the fact that I've been having a hard time kind of understanding everything that's been going on in the episodes, it kind of gets me confused a little bit about the characters and what mm-hmm. their motives and things like that are. So I'm going to have to, I think, I I actually kind of like that they made it so different like that because it's going to make us want to go back and look for different points and Mm -hmm. figure different things out instead of just watching it and being like, oh, this was a great episode. You know, now we have to go back and pick at things. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually I'm kind of looking forward to that. I want to see the the subtle Star Wars stuff that, you know, that they've included because, you know, uh, Tony Gilroy is writing a lot of the episodes of, of Andor. And so and his son is writing some episodes as well. And I know that uh, Tony Gilroy isn't a huge Star Wars fan, but he he definitely wants to. He definitely felt like Star Wars had to be elevated, which is why he took uh, on Andor. I think, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that's beside the point. I mean, I, I I don't think Tony Gilroy is quite as uh, good as he thinks he is. But that's that's another discussion for another day. I like the show. Um, is it my favorite Star Wars? No, but I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Let's talk a little bit about, we got another interesting droid character, huh? Definitely. Uh, In in B2, is it B2EM0 or is it B2EMO? Like, I I don't know. That is a very good question. I just kept hearing him being referred to as B. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't even know he had a longer name. I assumed he did, but I had no clue what it was. You know what? I'm calling him B2 Emo. I don't care. That works for me. <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, he's an interesting character. You know, I, he he kind of reminds me of Wally. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you get that vibe too? A little bit. Just a, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he doesn't have the little tank treads, but just the square shape of him is very, you know, very Wally-like. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I can't figure out what his personality is is yet. But you know what really stuck out with that character when he did talk a little bit? Do you remember the old uh, Buck Rogers from the eighties? A little bit. I mean, okay. I mean, obviously, you know, George Lucas was very inspired by uh, Buck Rogers. Uh, you know, the serials that he watched growing up, and you know, of course, it came back in in the eighties as well. But you know, by then, Star Star Wars had already uh, made its impact on the world. But right. Yeah. So, no, I, I don't remember too much about it because it kind of just uh, it, it really wasn't something that I that was on my radar as a kid, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was born in 1980, so I never got to really watch it either, you know. But um, there's a character on the show, uh, a little robot character named Tweaky or something to that effect. And a lot of the stuttering that B did in this episode was very similar to the way that character in Buck Rogers would mm-hmm. stutter. OK. I just thought that was an interesting little connection. I wonder if they did that on purpose or not. I don't think there's anything that isn't done on purpose in Star Wars, if I'm being Wouldn't perfectly honest. <laughs> so yeah. You're, yeah. you're probably right. And it would make sense because, you know, with, with as much as George Lucas was inspired by Buck Rogers of the 30s and 40s, you know, mm-hmm. he uh, the, these modern filmmakers are inspired by Buck Rogers of the 80s. So, yeah, it, right. it, again, it's poetry. It rhymes, right? Definitely. Absolutely. That that is the hook of Star Wars is that the mm-hmm. you know the connections and and how everything rhymes like poetry, right? Didn't really get a whole lot of him uh, in in Episode Three, but we finally got to meet Luthen, played by Stellan Skarsgård, um, who is quite a phenomenal and accomplished actor in his own right, bringing some interesting color to Star Wars. I really thought the way that they introduced him as the buyer for the Star Path 
and and that was you know basically the whole idea behind the the, the star path sale was to introduce cassian to luthan to get involved in the rebel alliance uh, mm-hmm. mission you know at least you know as a mercenary of course being paid but i i thought it was a cool introduction you know to the character we got to see him uh kicking some major ass with cassian Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. in, in that shootout uh, at the end, you know, which of course got uh, a bunch of corpos killed, since the head uh, or the lieutenant or sergeant or whatever he is, Cyril, would not just listen to his superior and let it go. You know, obviously we we found that you know that uh, his obsession with tracking down Cassian led to quite a few needless deaths um, at the hands of Luthien, Luthen and Cassian. So, uh, what what did you think of of our introduction of Luthen? I think that he's definitely going to be a character with a rich history that I think I'm hoping that we're going to get to explore in flashbacks in some of the future episodes, see kind of how he got involved with the the fledgling Rebel Alliance, what his relationship with what Mod Mothma. Mm-hmm. was like where their history came from. Um, I mean, we saw the scene where they were they were going back and forth about things and she's talking about how she's feeling like she's being watched and, you know, unsafe. And I don't know. I, so I, I guess I haven't really seen a whole lot of him yet to really know what he's about mm-hmm. at this point. You know, so I, I will say I liked his new, his ship. It kind of reminded me of a souped up Millennium Falcon. Right. I, I assume it's Corellian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the design. I mean, the cockpit itself mm-hmm. gave it away. And so does some of the hallway, the way the design was. Yeah, it's, it's very much a YT. It looks like a YT series. Maybe not the same series as, as the Millennium Falcon, but definitely that same design language. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, help me figure this part out. So that the star path is that box that... Cassian had right Correct. the imperial logo yes okay and if I remember correctly from watching the episodes they basically said that was to help track imperial ships essentially I it almost sounds like it's uh it uh, to me it seems like it might be another easter egg um you know since this takes place several years prior to the events of Rogue One mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that is one of the Empire's early attempts at hyperspace tracking, you know, and because if you remember, that's that's kind of a thread that has been uh, built on and, and really starting to be uh, be weaved into the 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 existing stories of uh, the, of Star Wars and, and what the Empire was doing, you know, with with them, you know, obviously the the hyperspace tracking really made its big debut in The Last Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, because the empire was able to track, uh, the, the new Republic, well, the resistance ships through hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got, before we saw that whole plot line in the last Jedi, we, there was a mention whenever, um, in, in rogue one, whenever they were in the Imperial facility looking for the death star plans, there was uh, a little thing about hyperspace tracking in there too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see that maybe, maybe this star path is one of the first attempts at that. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be interesting to see. And it's one thing that the, the current star Wars runners are doing is they're weaving Easter eggs in and out of stuff mm-hmm. and connecting everything very nice and neat, you know, so kudos to them for trying to keep a good linear story going on and, and seeing how everything fits together all the way from the prequel era, all the way up to the end of the sequels. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. It's really yeah. cool. And neat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've kind of really broken down the first three episodes pretty well. Let's, let's yeah. kind of move on to episodes four and five. And, you know, I, I think our discussion might have uh, uh, 
weaved a little bit of the stuff that we saw in four and five in, into bit, the first yeah. bit, you know, but it, it, for the most part, you know, our discussion was pretty much centered around the first three episodes, episodes four and five, you know, we're starting to, you know, we, we find, we, uh, we, we see a lot more uh, of the moving and shaking on Coruscant, you know, we get to meet uh, Mon Mothma's husband and daughter for the first time in those two episodes. Um, we, you know, of course we meet the ground assault crew on Aldani, um, you know, and then, of course, we're introduced to uh, Cyril's mother, who is quite an interesting character all of her own. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about Luthen in, in episode four and five. You know, we got a little bit more <clears throat> background on his character and how he's kind of leading two lives himself. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's the he's the the shopkeeper in that really fancy uh, antiquities uh, shop on Coruscant. You know, he puts on his little wig and his his purple robe and looks, you know, super um, fancy. And and, yeah. uh, and and we saw him in just prior in episode three. He was the uh, you know, the the boots on the ground involved in the the fledgling rebel alliance stuff you know yeah i i thought it was great to see that side of his character you know him him in his uh his dual role there right and how you know he and mon mothma are kind of working together uh you know at the coruscant level you know they are the um they're the ones with the funding you know that's that's supporting the rebel alliance i i think that's pretty darn cool yeah Yeah, it'll be like I said earlier, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they ended up meeting and and a little bit more of how their relationship gels Mm -hmm. at this point. You know, Um, I'd be honest with you about what seeing Mon Mothma with a family. I never thought she had a family. Right. You know, I never knew she was married or had a daughter. You know, I I just always thought it was her. Mm -hmm. Well, fun little Star Wars fact. uh, The she did have a daughter in the old. Uh, expanded universe in the old EU, um, and they actually preserved the name for for the Andor series. It's the daughter has the same name in the show as she did in the EU. Mm-hmm. Is it Leda? I think something like that. I I I am having a really hard time keeping track of some of the character names in this show. Exactly. I mean, you know, talk. You know, you, you, <laughs> People say it doesn't feel like Star Wars, but some of these names are are impossible to exactly to remember. I know. Well, I was surprised when I, I heard the name, and I think I saw it written somewhere on online. It's L E I D A, and I thought that was interesting. It was basically Leia with a D in it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if there was some symbology to that, if there was a reason for that, or or I'm just kind of picking at straws here. <laughs> I, I, I think the only I think the connection is that it's the same name as the the daughter had in uh, in the old expanded universe. I think gotcha. that's the connection. If, okay. if I'm being perfectly honest. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so what do you think of the husband? Um, I don't think he's going to survive this show. <laughs> no, there's something slimy about him. Just in the look, it look the look and the way he talks, he's going to end up like betraying her somehow or to the Empire or something. Oh, I, I think he's going to learn of her involvement. Mm-hmm. And I think, she, I think we may see a, a more brutal side of Mon Mothma, you know, one who's not afraid to get her hands dirty because that is anything but the character that she's portrayed, you know, thus far. Yes. She's always kind of portrayed as the face of 
the the rebel alliance you know the the leader um you know the uh the the political leader i should say where leia was the military leader Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think we're going to see a little bit of darkness to her. I think it's just going to be the writers are going to try to be like, look at the surprise. Look what Mom Mothma is actually capable of. And even if you're this prim, proper, wonderful kind of person, when you're in the Rebel Alliance, no matter what role, you have to get your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I agree with you completely. I think we're going to see something shocking. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think it's coming. I think, you know, uh, she's going to have to make a choice. You know, is she going to get found out or is she going to preserve her secret? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know, and her daughter's kind of bratty, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of a mouth runner. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 scared. Well, I'm not scared for them. I mean, <laughs> they're not good characters. <laughs> yeah, you're really getting involved in and emotionally invested there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I wouldn't be upset if, if both of them were short for this world <laughs> yeah if you were eliminated <laughs> uh, i know that sounds terrible but you know they're they're not good people exactly you know. exactly um so what do you think about the entire ground assault team on on uh on aldani i like that there's a history on that planet if i remember correctly the empire had pushed the natives down mm-hmm. south i guess was it i don't know exactly i can't remember exactly what it was was it just like the Empire seems to try to destroy a lot of planets for natural resources and don't seem to to care at all about native populations. That's exactly correct. Um, you know, so th- that was the big thing I got. So these are it's kind of like this is just another forming cell of the Rebel Alliance. I like how they are using that to train uh, Cassian on how to infiltrate the Empire. Right. At this point, that, that was really all I could get out of that. I was trying. Like I told you, I'm having a hard time with it, not feeling like Star Wars piecing Mm -hmm. everything together. (laughs) Right, right. And I like how the the um, the two episodes so far have really started, you know, have really shown us that uh, just, you know, the the crew on Aldani know each other. And then Mm -hmm. Cassian being the the odd man, you know, they didn't accept him right away. And they really didn't accept him at all in episode four. You know, he was still the outsider. And and it really took a lot of what happened in episode five to get them to trust him, to believe him um, that he was genuine. You know, it it started with his, you know, his advice to have the left handed um, uh, shooter you know, on the left so that the gun was on the outside for them, you know, and that was kind of his first step to really getting, gaining acceptance. Um, and then, you know, we, we see him interact with some of the other characters individually. You know, we, we see that he recognizes the, some of the tattoos on Skeen. I think it's Skeen or something like that. Yeah. Right. Skeen. Skeen mm-hmm. is his name. Um, you know, he recognizes the, uh, the crate head tattoo on, on, on Skeen's t- chest, and then he recognizes the um, the hand like symbol, which both of those are references to the expanded universe as well. Um, okay, uh, the the crate head tattoo is and it kind of looked. Did you see how how it kind of looked like it had a barcode? Yes, and some numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was a slave, and that is something that uh, was um, big in Star Wars the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic series. And, and of of games and books is you know there were there was a slave trade on Tatooine and uh, the the hand tattoo is a reference to uh, a couple books written by Timothy Zahn. 
Okay. So I thought those were pretty darn cool, you know, little references and, and how, okay, so now that these things are acknowledged in the new uh, Disney canon, we can see more and more content, you know, that, that people have had grown to love uh, about the ODU and, and making it all make sense in this new canon. I think, yes. I, I think it's really cool. Good. Yeah, I think I think that's wonderful that they're they're not forgetting that it ever existed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they could have easily just brushed the whole thing off and said screw it, right? You know, but they, I mean, they're they're at least showing some loyalty, I guess, to the fans who grew up with all those things and 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 felt a special connection with that. So I think that's great. And I will have to depend on you for the expanded universe information that Greg's <laughs> because I can I have never read any of the books because I right. wasn't a big Star Wars fan until I was 17 or no 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 16. Yeah. When the uh when the the special editions came out. So mm-hmm. I got into it late. Sure. Sure. All that. So you know, so you're you're my like uh, guide through that. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm not a, a be all end all of found, uh, font of knowledge about the old EU, but you know I do, I did read some stuff and yes. you know stuff that I I vaguely remember. You know I might have to get some clarification on by searching the internet, but mm-hmm. you know for the most part, you know things stand out to me, and, and then I just go confirm what I think I know <laughs> right? <laughs> with, exactly. with a few internet searches. But yeah, it, it's, it's really cool to see how that stuff gets incorporated. Yes. What let's, let's talk a little bit about Cyril. You know, we find that he has been fired from his job with the Corpos and that the, the empire has assumed full control of policing after his uh, mishap with mm-hmm. Cassian and Luthen. So we see him kind of, you know, showing up at his mom's place mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yep. and our first introduction to her is she slaps him right across the face. Uh, <laughs> um, I love, I love her. I love her character. I love that actress too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's phenomenal. And just the way that, you know, in episode five, how she was just constantly, you know, she poured cereal, cereal and blue milk, and then just sits across from the table and just, you know, makes fun of him and, Yes. He's trying to eat his cereal, poor guy. Yeah, I know. He just wanted to <laughs> chill and relax and have a good morning. And this uncle that uh, that the mom keeps referring to and, and calling in the family favor. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. You know, are they, is the family involved in some sort of like mob kind of situation, gangster mm-hmm. kind of thing? I guess it'd be like space gangsters. Yeah. I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um you know what his family about is about and his what his history is yeah i was i i assumed that the reason why he got so obsessed in the previous episodes with getting cassian was because he had this strong belief in the empire and wanting has this like this need for justice but he just or maybe it was because of uh he just wanted some sort of power and to get attention i don't know the character is kind of interesting to me and i'm wondering how he's going to develop as the show goes on yeah i i I kind of, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. I, I, I wonder if maybe we're going to see some more intersection of some of these stories. Mm-hmm. I wonder if somehow this uncle of theirs is involved with the Empire in some way. You know, maybe right. she, maybe he has a connection to the Empire instead of Mafia. Or or maybe he has a connection to the Rebel Alliance. Who knows? 
It, right. It, it, they're going to end up surprising us somehow. Right. You know, with the big reveal of, right. of something. Right. And yeah. I mean, we still have to see Saw Gerrera and, and his involvement in the show, because I know he was teasing the trailers and he was referred to in episode four, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the one, the young uh, guy that was standing watch, uh, you know, he, he fell asleep standing watch and Skeen came over and said that, uh, you know, if he was with Saw Gerrera, he'd already be dead. Right. You know, Saw wouldn't stand for that for someone falling asleep on watch. So, right. you know, we're we're starting to to get that, um, you know, those hints that he's coming. Yes. I don't know. We're kind of running out of time here. We're we're mm-hmm. we're at the hour mark here. So I know I want to talk about music and sound design and cinematography, but mm-hmm. I think maybe let's save that for another day. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Let's wait until we see more of the stuff like the Imperial Senate. Again, that's another thing I'm excited about that they showed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so That I'm looking forward to. I want to see more of the ships, more of the planets, things that are coming up. So, you know, we can actually save that until Andor is done. I think and that's then- a good idea. We'll, we'll go like, uh, maybe we'll do like an overall episode, like... Um... I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get some friends involved and, and we'll do a roundtable discussion and, and hit on the, the, the show as a whole. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Sounds Something good. Special. All, right. All right. So on that note, I think we're going to call it a day on this episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. So until next time, if you want to keep the discussion going, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we just recently changed our Twitter handle to something much more manageable. We are now at CLL pod. Uh, we're still facebook.com slash logs and lightsabers pod, Instagram at logs and lightsabers. And you can email us at logs, lightsabers pods at gmail.com. Uh, you can also review us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Uh, you know, you, if you listen to any podcasts, you know how important reviews are. Uh, and especially with, with Apple, you know, that's how people discover podcasts and, and, uh, and how they appear in search results, you know, the, the, the better ratings and the high, the more reviews that they have, all of that helps the, uh, the Apple podcast a- algorithm deliver our show to people who might be interested in our content. Uh, if you want to reach out to geek news now, you can find our parent organization at GNN underscore home on Twitter. You can search geek news now on Facebook. Uh, there's several pages, including some groups that you can join there and get involved. Uh, you can also be a guest on our show if you're involved in the geek news now community. So uh, just, you know, if you're interested, follow us, reach out to us. We will bring you on to talk whatever you want to talk about uh, in, in Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, and you can also keep up with all of the geeky news at www.geeknewsnow.com. Net. Chris, any final words? Nothing really. I just I'm really excited about seeing how the rest of Andor develops and how we, we're going to report on it in the next number of episodes. I'm hoping also to, to do another full rewatch of everything so I can kind of piece everything in my brain. <laughs> I hate that it's like it's not gelling with me yet. But I just think it's because it's so different. Yeah, you know. But uh, if anybody wants to find me, um, the best way to get in contact with me is emailing me. So you could write Christopher, and then my last name is Stow S T O U G H L S W at gmail dot com. All right. And as far as me, just email the show, and that's how you you'll interact with me because I kind of do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for the show. So just email the the show Gmail, and that's how you interact with me. Or you can interact with the show socials. That's how you can reach me. So until next time, 
may that force be with you. And live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs>